This week's episode of Aussie Takeout is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 718 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 25th of March, 2021. I'm your host, Jason Oakley. This is my co-host, Will Tomkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. What's going on? Uh, just recovering from a bit of water around the place. Bit of water. We had floods in our town. <laughs> we, got, we got isolated for you know, the best part of a day. We got isolated for about five days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I ended up going to Coles and buying two weeks' worth of groceries just in case they wouldn't be able to get any more in. The shelves started going pretty bare after a while. Yeah, I bet. And people were doing stupid panic buying. Yeah. I had um, my 50th birthday party on the weekend and a friend drove up from Sydney, got to the next suburb. It's like six minutes drive from here and couldn't get in because everything was flooded out so had to turn around and go back to sydney yep very tiring and my sister was coming from dubbo and she got an hour into the trip and rang me up and said what should i do i said i think you should turn around yeah. <laughs> good thing she did because if either of them got to town they wouldn't get back out for the next three or four days so it's funny here like we had feathered rain um monday and tuesday Yep. And it stopped raining sort of Tuesday night. And then woke up Wednesday and this when everything started flooding. Ah. Because <laughs> the way that it just took that long to get down here that by the time the by the time the it started flooding it had stopped raining. <laughs> it's like it's just weird. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> but yeah, so we had we were on our little island for most of yesterday, just couldn't get out. Yeah. So, bad or We had the um, biggest flood beat our 1978 flood. It didn't quite make it to the 1929 flood level, which is about six metres or something. I think we got to about 5.7, 5.8 metres. Nice. Took out a lot of um, buildings and a house went floating down the river. Somebody was told to evacuate and... Uh, so they locked all their pets inside, evacuated, and then watched the house float, float down the river. So it was their wedding day. Yep. Lost and their house some, and their pets and their... Yeah. So they had a fundraiser and people donated about 100000 And then, what was it you're saying, LJ Hooker bought, got yeah, them a house one anyway. Of those, but, one of the real estates, yeah. Yeah, they were just renting anyway. So a few people got a bit annoyed because they thought, oh, it was a house they paid for. No, it was rental and... So, oh, I wouldn't have donated money if I knew it was rental. Like, I don't think that's the point, but uh, anyway. Yeah, it's a bit like that. So, uh, yeah, other than that, I've been working on a um, game jam for itch.io for retro computers for my VZ 
200 computer from Dick Smith and it's a bit of a platformer. We didn't have a lot of platform games back in the day, but I'm using a multi-platform arcade game designer that I helped port over last year to the VZ and it's working really well. Got about 26 levels or something done with lots of different uh, characters. I've got a crab and a turtle and a mouse, which was suggested by you. Don't blame me for your problems. And, ex- <laughs> and an exploding frog. <laughs> did, you put it in the, did you put it in the microwave? Dad said Queenslanders would probably like it if it was a cane toad cane and mate, it exploded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> toad, toad, toad Popper's Alley. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people up there use them for practicing their golf swing. Golf swing. Although, actually, I've noticed um, the last probably 12 months, I've seen very few cane toads. I've seen a lot of frogs. A lot of frogs are coming back, which is good. Oh, yeah. So, And they said in the news today that um, because of all the rain and flooding, Funnel webs are having a big explosion in population at the moment in Sydney. Yeah, funnel webs. So watch out for that, you guys. Snakes, you know. Mosquitoes will be Mosquito. too with all the water lying around everywhere. Probably by the weekend the mosquitoes will be out in force. Yep. So. Lucky me, I don't go to the outside. It's not a good place to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time outside, so... <laughs> And what do we got um, going across the top? And we used to have something go across the bottom. It's not there now. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. For some reason, the uh, plugin updated and it kind of broke it. <laughs> so now I can have one or the other, but I can't have both. So uh. I don't really know. Anyway, that's something I've got to look into. But um, yeah, if you're watching the video across the top, there's all the different places you can find us. Uh, YouTube and Twitch and Instagram and all the other places. And, of course, um, the two, well, we'll say the two most important ones, the two most important ones to us anyway, is yep. uh, your, your uh, coffee and um, uh, Patreon. Yep. Um, they help us out greatly with the donations and everything, and it uh, helps us uh, keep the show running. And uh, we're, not, we're not sponsored, really. The, you know, the Aussie Tech Heads hosting is... Uh, part of part of us so it's not really a sponsor it's just something that we are but uh yeah all the all the patreon donations and stuff make a big difference and we are refining our patreons only show uh yeah there you go patreon.com slash techheads and it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n not p-a-t-e-r-o-n patreon because if you go there it doesn't work oh yeah well it does you get a nice hey do you want to buy this domain <laughs> sell it to you I was going to say somebody must be typo squatting there. Uh, only, only a few hundred thousand dollars, and you can have it. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, no, it, it does mean a lot to us guys, and um, uh, there's uh, some plans on the horizon coming in the next sort of couple of months. So, hopefully, if everything works out, we'll be having a little bit of a, a little bit of a overhaul. So, we'll see how that works yep. out. Sorry, the last episode was a little bit late, but Glenn had to get his computer. Had to uh, hop on the exercise bike and start riding it to charge up the battery before he could use it. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently um, that was all flood related too. They were getting so the uh, I, if the audio qual- if the uh, video quality is bad as it was on the live stream on the recording, it's he, he was having a lot of internet issues. Yeah. They were cutting in and out and doing all sorts of stuff. So we shall see how that comes out. But uh, I'm surprised his basement didn't get flooded again like last time. Well, no. Remember they put in. I don't know if it, if if you remember, but they were saying they put in a big swale drain across the front now. Yeah. So it all sort of runs down, but the side of it still runs through his block, but it runs down the side of his block now, so through the middle of the house, yep. which to me seems like a better option. <laughs> <laughs> but he was saying this last flood, he had it coming up from the canals at the back as well as. Yeah. The dump through the front. He said what the surprising part was, he still had internet. And then normally when it, you get like a three spots of rain, then the internet normally stops. Yeah. So he still had internet, so that was pretty cool. But We yeah. had electricity and internet here. We are 100% fibre town for internet, so no problems there. And uh, a couple of little suburbs around lost electricity for a couple of days, but we had no problems at any time, which is good. Yeah, we... Uh... We did okay. There was there was some of the other areas that had 
both internet and well, there's actually a couple of places that still have internet issues. Actually, um, yep. they got all the power back on now, but there's a couple of the smaller suburbs around here that, um, or districts around here, I should say, that uh, didn't fare so well on the internet side of things because they're still on. A lot of them are still on copper. Yep. Um, even if like a lot Sold of them to, together and then had uh, waterproofing via Coles plastic bags wrapped around them. Yeah, the, I think the problem is these days these are biodegradable ones. Yeah, <laughs> there was the major one of the major junction. I don't know if it's an exchange, but it's a big junction box. Um, it's not a below ground; it's a big above ground one. It's about six foot high and. I was probably eight foot high and about six foot across. It's a massive, big junction box. Yep. They had um, about six or eight call-out vans there, and they had the big canopy over the top of it, and they had guys in uh. there with with heat guns and air dryers. Because <laughs> we had that previous night, we actually had horizontal rain. Oh, so I right. what's so happened is it's actually come in through, because they've got vents on the side, so that boxes don't overheat. And the vents are slits, but they're horizontal. Yeah. And you literally have to have horizontal rain to get in there. I think that's what and happened. And it did. Because <laughs> it, got, it got into our signs at work. We've got waterproof signs. And once again, it's got horizontal slits of ventilation. Um, and that's the only place the water can get in. And, and they got in and killed the signs. So, uh. um, yeah, horizontal rain bad, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Keep and away from that The other stuff. problem is you don't know how much you've had either. Because it doesn't register in the rain gauge. Yeah, because yeah. it doesn't—it's not falling through the rain gauge; it's just sort of going across the top of it. <laughs> so you, uh, it said we had—I don't know what it was—five or six mil, but there was three inches of water laying on the ground. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, had more than that. Yeah, my daughter said to me at one <laughs> stage a few days, a few days ago, "Have a look outside, Dad. The rain is going up the hill." Yeah. Instead of down. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got um, old school, like seventies tin, sort of blinds out the front of the house they're, yep. they're like two foot in front of the window and yep. then they're just these slats um, and the other night I got woken up from getting wet so the rain was coming through those slats and then into the window inside and wetting me <laughs> on the bed from the inside I'm like huh? and it's under so it's under a tree behind yep. the slats and through a window wow <laughs> I'm actually laying there going, how, how is this even put up, actually Just put up possible? the umbrella and go to sleep. <laughs> I kind of don't want to. It was, re- it was refreshing, actually. I didn't mind. But <laughs> I'm just laying there and the, the physics was just breaking my brain. Like, how does it... <laughs> it's got to travel 20 foot horizontally to get to where it's gone. <laughs> but there's no wind. That was the weird no. part about it. Or very, very little wind, anyway. The rain finds a way. Oh, it was weird. But, but yeah, other than that, um, now it's hot again. We're having like 35 degree days again now, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Best not to think about it. Although it seems to have cured COVID because there you go. It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. <sighs> I suppose we should get on with some news. Oh, I guess so. Microsoft Corp is in talks to acquire Discord Incorporated, a video game chat community for more than $10 billion, according to people familiar with the matter. Discord has been talking to potential buyers and software giant Microsoft is in the running, but no deal is imminent, they said. Um, Discord is more likely to go public than sell itself, somebody else said. Representatives from Microsoft and Discord declined to comment. Uh, They were reported earlier on Monday that Discord was engaged in sales talks. San Francisco-based Discord is best known for its free service that lets gamers communicate by video, voice, and text. And people stuck at home during the pandemic have increasingly used its technology for study groups, dance lessons, book clubs, and other virtual gatherings. It has more than 100 million monthly active users and has been elaborating its communications tools to turn it into a place to talk rather than merely a gamer-centric chat platform. Microsoft, which last year sought to buy social media app TikTok, has held talks and also held talks to acquire Pinterest, has been shopping for assets that will provide access to thriving communities of users, according to people familiar with the company's thinking. Microsoft's Xbox business has also been expanding the suite of subscription perks it provides as part of its Game Pass offering. Microsoft shares were up about 1.2% in the first minutes of trading on Tuesday. 
after Microsoft's recent $7.5 billion purchase of ZeniMax Media Incorporated, owner of the Elder Scrolls and Doom publisher Bethesda Softworks, an acquisition of Discord would signal the Redmond, Washington-based software giant's willingness to keep investing in its video game unit. Uh, alas, poor Discord, we knew you well. Okay, <laughs> over to Twitch, everybody. Yeah, Discord's going to die. They're going to Skypeify it, right? Uh, yeah, look, either that or they'll go, hey, I've got this great idea. We can have all these channels and there's places where people can type things and, and it, you know, it's like a interactive real-time communication room and, you know, and I know we could rename it IRC. There we go. That'll solve that problem. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, mean, they'll integrate MS Teams, won't they? Yeah, that's yeah. Which I, everybody already hates. They're gonna combine. They'll combine Skype Teams and and Discord and just have one giant steaming hot pile of turd. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Please I mean, don't do ha- it, Microsoft. <laughs> I mean, look. They learnt their lesson with Minecraft. They've kind of almost just let it run its course and do its own thing and still be Minecraft. Can we be hopeful? I mean, I, okay, I get it. They're going to integrate straight away with their Xbox 360. Like, it's the perfect format for that. I, I understand that. I don't really have a problem with that. And realistically, that's, you know, that that's fine. But don't play with it. Leave it alone. Yeah. You know, like, I I get that you want to use it for a purpose, that's okay, but when you're you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, make happy, I don't know, round numbers, let's say you make 10 million people happy by using it for Microsoft, and you're gonna piss off 100 million people because they don't want to use your service anymore, is it really worth the effort, you know? I'm guessing since Amazon bought Twitch, they're like, well, we need to have a thing like that too, and nobody's using Skype anymore because we killed that. So maybe we'll buy somebody else's good one and we can compete with Amazon. Oh, no, we could all go and use Hangouts. Oh, wait. No, we can't. Wait. Hangouts is not a thing anymore. Uh, oh, as of <sighs> the end of this month anyway. Um, and Twitch, I mean, it's not the same. Unless you're a streamer, Twitch is useless for the average person. Yeah. Uh, Zoom's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. We use it all the time, but it's not a Discord. It's not a multi-channel, multi-access. Per- pro- all your friends and that would meet up. It's yeah. It's not the same. Um, Discord's opened up with so many um, avenues for you know not only for live streamers but for. Uh, everyone's got a Discord channel now, whether it's a Minecraft server, whether it's an app, whether it's a, a whatever, you can pretty much find them on Discord these days. Yep. I'm on probably, what, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 Discord servers. Yeah, I culled a lot of mine. I was on 20 plus. I think Same. I culled a heap the other day and I'm down to like, I think I'm down to like 9 or 10 now, but and my daughter's um, like, why don't you group them? You can put them in group folders and stuff. I was like, I didn't know that's a thing. So she just came and went, jip, 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 jip. there you go. They're all in folders now. I was like, cool. Yeah, but that doesn't really help you with the amount of traffic you have, though. You still have traffic no. problems. There's no. some that I'm there just because I should be there. So I just mute the notifications so everything doesn't yeah. light up. And every time you join a new server, it automatically notifies you anytime somebody says hi. Yeah. So you disable all that crap and suppress all the at here and at, at everyone. And, and yeah. The other <sighs> thing that annoys me too: some servers have three rooms or three, not rooms, but three channels. Yeah. You know, like there's one server I'm on, and I had to go to a different server to agree to their terms to use the server to go back to the server I started with in the first place. It's like That's you've, ridiculous. You've got rooms, people. You don't need to have a separate server, a separate channel to have a separate channel. You can have a different room. Yeah. So that was kind of annoying, and that's a common thing. And then if you unfollow that room, it unfollows you from the main channel. So you have to stay there so, whether you want it or not. Yeah. And it's like, uh. but I mean, for the most part, you know, it, it's a very useful platform, and I, there are other versions of discord but there's nothing that's like discord you know yeah. 
It's like comparing um, ICQ to IRC. Yeah. They were similar, but... Had different uses. They were completely different use case scenarios. And whilst they're both popular in their own right and people use them for different things, yeah. they were never the same platform, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's the same with Discord. Um, it's not for everybody, and the other people find that they're better off using, um, you know, what's the other one? Um, Lighthouse or whatever it is. Um, uh-huh. There's a couple others that other people use, and that's fine. You know, but there's nothing like Discord for the people that use Discord. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't know. The other option is that if I guess we can hope that they buy or sell it out to Microsoft, then start up their own one that's better. Yeah, <laughs> that's not. They've got to go somewhere. Yeah, something's going to happen. I don't know. We'll see. But um, I guess while we're talking about internet, Aussie Broadband calls for the return of the NBN bandwidth bonus. Yay. Until a permanent restructure of price constraint uh, construct is made, Aussie Broadband has asked Ambien Co. to resurrect the bandwidth bonus scheme that it ran through m- much of 2020, shielding retail internet providers from excess charges demand for broadband grew. Manager, ma- <laughs> Managing Director Philip Britt suggests the connectivity v- um, virtual circuit CVC bonus could act as a interim step while a more permanent solution to the CVC provisioning can be made. Uh, CVC is a variable cost component based on pricing versus bandwidth versus throughput and stuff like that. Uh, During COVID, NBN Co. provided up to 40% extra CVC on what retail providers were paying. Um, And that was up until December last year. Then they've gone back to having the full charges since then, which of course means that now they have to put up their prices or they have to stop people using as much data, one of the two, because they're paying for more data. Um, retail such as TPG, Telecom, Vodafone, Optus, etc. criticised proposals yesterday and Aussie Broadband added to its voice. So basically, what they did was, so the way it normally works, you you purchase this X amount of allocation from NBN and then um, you sell your service based on the bandwidth allocation that you have. Well, because so many people were using so much bandwidth so quickly and, and blowing past traditional uses and traditional amounts of data, the NBN put a freeze on excess pricing. So basically, they weren't paying for excess consumption. They weren't paying for uh, higher throughputs and, and things like that. Um, but that that's ended now. So, but they're... Uh, the the increase in usage is still around, but the NBN's put their penalty rates back up. So now these people are buying the the more bandwidth, but they're having to pay more for it. So if a provider has to pay more for the bandwidth they're using, they're going to put their prices up. Um, and what they're annoyed about is NBN turned a pretty decent profit last year, even halting these extra fees yeah you're like well clearly it's just a money grab because you made a profit when you weren't charging his fees and now you want to charge all these extra fees you know so it's it's <laughs> sounds stupid if they have to pass it on doesn't that mean they get less customers and then the nbn gets less money well sort of what it means is that the smaller providers, um, say you've got a local provider in your area who doesn't have as many customers, well, if they're purchasing the same you know, same blocks as the bigger ones, but their customers aren't reaching that peak, means they can take on customers for less of a price because they haven't got a charge for the overhead price and the, the bigger providers who have more people have to charge more because they've got more bet through using more bandwidth. So it's it's um it's a pretty dumb system. Effectively what you've got at the moment is you have the internet providers versus the internet. Yeah. That's basically what's going on at the moment. Um and this happened back in the day when you had telecom. You know, you had you had the local small independents versus the phone system. You know, and Optus was the first major pushback. 
Remember, yeah. I don't know if, how many people remember back in the day, but it had to be, I want to say early 90s. It might yes. even be late 80s. But Optus, yeah. I remember they had their Dial 1 campaign because you used to have to pay a fortune for long-distance calls. And Optus went, well, no, you don't. We can charge you like 60 cents or something and you can talk all night. You just dial one before the number and, and you're good to go. Yeah. And you did that and you switched your provider to Optus and, you know, it went from there. And it's the same sort of things happening here. You know, the smaller companies are saying, well, hang on, you don't have to pay more for it. Yeah. Um, it's only the big companies being greedy and the big companies are like, well, no, it's actually the NBN's forcing us to charge more for it because we have to pay more for our data. You know, they're like, it shouldn't be like that. It should be just a flat rate, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's just, you pay, you get data. Data's free. There's no cost to added infrastructure. You know, I mean, if it's you've got... It's all there already. You've either got to upgrade a network or you don't. Yeah. If you don't have to upgrade it, there's no cost. If you do, there's a cost. But that yep. remains constant whether or not you're charging extra for the data. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference to whether or not you have to upgrade the network. You've either got to... Either the network's fully upgraded and in which which according to NBN it is which means I have no more money to spend on infrastructure and or not uh, what I mean by that is um, data loading doesn't change infrastructure so the infrastructure's in place and any maintenance that's required on it's required on it regardless of the data throughput so why are they penalizing it's like um, like what that's why they want the um, internet to be utility yeah, it's like what they do with uh, registration. They charge eight cylinders more than six cylinders and more than four cylinders. But they all use the same roads. They all do just as much wear and tear on the roads. The infrastructure costs the same regardless of what car drives on it. Yeah. And yet if you've got a V8, you're paying more for Edger than if you've got a four-cylinder. Yeah. You're already paying more because you're paying more in fuel and you're paying more in excises and you're paying more in insurance. So you're already paying more anyway. For the other, you know, and so now you're paying more for the rego just because. It's the same with this. You're yeah. going to pay more because you want higher speed and higher throughput and higher bandwidth, so you pay more for that already. But because you've paid more for it, you've now got to pay more for it. <laughs> How does that make sense? <laughs> so, yeah, so hopefully what it basically means is that... Um, and... The other reason Aussie Broadband's kind of a major player in this is they have a lot of their own fibre that they've installed. They can service something like forty percent of um forty percent of Australia's population already independently from the NBN if they chose to. So they're trying to make the NBN realise that if they push too hard and when push comes to shove, they'll just completely They'll they'll throttle it in such a way that whoever you know they'll give preferential treatment to their own customers and less and obviously the ones who still have to fall back on the NBN but they'll be able to absorb that cost because they'll be running their own internet their own version of the NBN they'll be running internally so they won't be having the overheads and the NBN is going to lose out on a lot of money because they're not going to be paying them for the the data that they're not using now. Yeah. <laughs> so Aussie Broadband's like, well, you know, just, just, you might want to rethink what you're doing here because yeah. we don't care. <laughs> don't shoot yourself in the foot. We're going to have internet to our customers one way or the other. Would you like to be involved in the process? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want money or don't you want money? Yeah, basically. And going with your story, TPG Telecom has captured the essence of internet industry frustration with the NBN, lamenting a decade spent discussing the inefficiencies and complexities of NBN pricing with little to show for it and no substantial changes on the horizon. The commentary is contained in the first part of TPG's response to NBN Co's latest pricing review, which offers two ways to increase NBN prices while delaying any substantive changes until financial year 24 2024 it's a while yet 24 from the outs when you say you could say like you know 1990 you could just say the 90s but you can't really say the 20s it doesn't work does it (laughs) from the outset this is a price review that no retail service provider or indeed internet user is going to be greatly excited about and tpg and its admission to nbn co 
expressed clear frustration at NBN Co's long-term inaction on price, despite most of it, all of its almost all of its RSPs being on the same page regarding the need for change. TPG notes that the NBN Co and RSPs have been having the same conversation about the inefficiencies and complexities inherent in the NBN two-part pricing construct since at least 2011. NBN Co's wholesale prices contain a fixed cost component, the aggregated virtual circuit or AVC, and variable cost component, the connectivity virtual circuit or CVC. Both components are bundled together by NBN Co in various ways. However, the bundles often do not contain enough CVC and therefore RSPs may buy ex must buy extra, known as overage. The unknown costs exert pressure on margins and retail prices and RSPs have wanted NBN Co for some time to move to a single flat price structure. NBN Co, however, doesn't want to entertain these conversations over the short to mid term. It is instead offering RSPs a meager choice pay more variable co coverage, option one, or agree to a $2 fixed component price hike and still pay for overage but less of it, option two. For TPG, neither option is particularly palatable, but it's leaning towards option two, which is likely what NBN Co wanted when it tabled the proposals. <coughs> yeah. So that backs up exactly what you said. Everyone's yeah. getting jack of it. And I mean, not that I'm, a f not that I'm much of a you know, fanboy of TPG or anything like that, but if this is one of the few situations that, uh, you know, I agree with them with, like, that traditionally, they're, okay, they're not known for having great service or great customer service or reliable internet, but the thing is, that's not the point. <laughs> they're, they're purchasing it like everybody else and they have a massive customer base, as you said, you know, and if they go, well, you know, and then... then Say Aussie Broadband goes, hey, well, we've got like this entire eastern, the entire east coastline. You know, we can run independent of the NBN. Now, would you like some bandwidth? We'll Jump sell it to board. you for half the price the NBN's currently selling it to you for. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> suddenly, next thing you know, TPG and Aussie Broadband and all of them are all on. You know, it just leaves Telstra to run its little NBN, which apparently has nothing to do with, but still controls all everything that happens. <laughs> Only that. <clears throat> hmm. So, because most, we've got a few NBN guys coming to work, so they buy backup batteries and stuff for the systems. Yeah. And just about all of them pay on Telstra credit cards. So, <laughs> anybody who tells dun, you that Telstra has nothing dun. to do with the NBN. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um... So, who remembers the last attempt that the Australian Bureau of Statistics um, attempted online a couple of years ago? And how? That census failed you, pretty bad. How hugely successful that one was. And what was that? 2016 it would have been, wouldn't it? Yeah. Five years ago, yeah. So, 2016. Yeah, it was a huge, huge failure. I mean, it was a massive milestone in terms of what they tried to do it was a huge failure but it was a massive attempt at it but apparently um, the Australian Bureau of Statistics has a little over four months to complete preparations for the 2021 census and hopes it will avoid the embarrassment that plagued the agency nearly five years ago the 2021 census was built using the Amazon Web Servers Cloud <laughs> through a contract awarded to PwC Australia the change of approach is expected to counter any repeat uh, counter any repeats of what occurred in 2016 when the ABS experienced a series of small denial a series of small denial says <laughs> nothing small about it they got DDoSed out a of a lot of people Bolivian. wanted to sign up and there wasn't <laughs> enough bandwidth for everyone to sign up that's the denial of service apparently they suffered hardware router failure mm. <laughs> and balked at false yeah. positive reports of data being ex ex Exfoliated. That's what I thought it said. <laughs> Exfiltrated. It took, my, it took my brain a second to figure that word out. Uh, which results in the census website being shut down and citizens unable to complete their online submissions. The census was run on on-premise infrastructure procu procured from IBM Tech Giant, from Tech Giant IBM back in 1979. It was the best mainframe they had at the time. So and nothing's changed. So it's probably half true. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it that, you know, well, the largest 
company that probably is still in Australia probably is IBM because they've got a massive headquarters in Sydney. takes up like a whole city block. Um, why is it that a locally hosted server locally with local bandwidth and local ping times and can't manage a couple million people but Amazon servers that run international full-time all the time with hundreds and hundreds and millions of people can handle the traffic <laughs> they run amazon services nicely yeah and there's a hell of a lot more people going to amazon.com than to australiacensus.com.au exactly. uh facing census estimates on wednesday night deputy australian statistics Teresa dickinson uh said preparations for the next census are well advanced well i'd want to be you've got like a week left <laughs> good luck i mean okay they only started on monday but they're working on it you got this <laughs> we have faith in you census day is okay it's the 10th of august so they've got a couple of months and while we're on track in our metrics while we are well on and we are well on track with our metrics is what it should say if you put the words in the right order um where we measure programs against the census many of the sub programs of work are green Okay, there are a few that remain amber, and the reason we still have some testing and def and defect remediation to do on our technical work. But if you're using green and amber as like technical descriptions, no wonder you're having issues, love. Right. <laughs> uh, in response to the shambles that was 2016, there have been three. Uh, reviews that made 36 recommendations, 29 of which were directed at the ABS and agreed upon. There was also a report prepared by the Australian National Audit Office. <coughs> they were agreed upon, but where they actioned is the yeah, question. Yeah, I know that's what. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we so totally should have done that last time as well. <laughs> yeah, good, good idea. Yeah. Here's uh, um, money. ABS has worked very closely with cybersecurity experts in building a completely new system, further funding. Uh, was provided by the Bureau largely to mitigate cybersecurity risk. So they went to Amazon. That solved most of their problems straight up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so frameworks have been established to cover the census IT systems and data handling. The procurement of IT suppliers. Uh, ABS has not put in arrangements for ensuring improvements to its architecture framework or bandwidth. Um, <laughs> you know the okay. two things that caused the problem last time this happened? Don't worry Let's about just leave it, it exactly the same. <laughs> it was them hackers, even when it wasn't them hackers. I knew it was them hackers. It was the Russians. It's the Russians. <laughs> okay, so we completely failed last time because our network fell apart because we didn't have the brand, brand within our infrastructure programming wasn't correct. So we'll leave those and we'll just change Please. everything else. That'll fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. Lucky, Give me fifty million dollar bonus. I was going to say, you. lucky the government Ching. just threw. I don't know if it says in here. There was. I was reading another article. It says the government's thrown like one hundred and fifty million at it or something. I want her job. Can I be yeah. the head of what is it? Whatever it is, Deputy Australian Statistics, Teresa Dickinson. There you go. That's not even. You want one hundred fifty million? Oh, Deputy Australian Statistician, Teresa Dickinson. There we go. Can I be an? Can I be? A, I'll be the Assistant Deputy Australian Statistician. That's fine. Yeah, you'll take <laughs> half the pay. Yeah, sixty mil. There you go. Wow. Okay. So yeah, so there's something to look. There's something to have a good laugh at later on in the year. <laughs> when it all goes pear shaped again. There won't be. I told you so. It all happening. <laughs> Have you heard of the term snafu? <laughs> uh, no. At least heard of eh? it. It's a good friend of yeah. mine. <laughs> <laughs> snafu is B A U, right? <laughs> At least thirty thousand organisations across the United States, including significant number of small businesses, towns, cities, and local governments, have over the past few days been hacked by an unusually aggressive Chinese cyber espionage unit that's focused on stealing email from victims' organisations. <coughs> it couldn't be anybody else. No. Nah. 
The espionage group is exploiting four newly discovered flaws in Microsoft Exchange Server email software and has seeded hundreds of thousands of victim organizations worldwide with tools that give the attackers total remote control over affected systems. On March the 2nd, Microsoft released emergency security updates to plug four security holes in Exchange Server versions 2013 to, through to 2019 that hackers were actively using to siphon email communications from internet-facing systems running Exchange. Microsoft said the Exchange flaws are being targeted by a previously unidentified Chinese hacking crew it dubbed Hafnium. What a cool name, Hafnium. Hafnium. And Hafnium and half. what's the other half? I want to know. Yeah. And said the group had been conducting targeted attack, attacks on email systems used by a range of industry sectors, including infectious disease researchers, law firms, higher education institutions, defense contractors, policy think tanks, and NGOs. In the three days since then, security experts say that same Chinese cyber espionage group has dramatically stepped up attacks on any vulnerable unpatched exchange servers worldwide. In each incident, the intruders have left behind a web shell an easy-to-use password-protected hacking tool that can be accessed over the internet from any browser. The web shell gives the attacker's administration access to the victim's computer service. Speaking on condition of anonymity, two cyber ex security experts who have briefed U.S. national security advisors on the attack told Krebs on security, the Chinese hacking group thought to be responsible has seized control of hundreds of thousands of Microsoft Exchange servers worldwide, with each victim system representing approximately one organization that uses Exchange to process email. Microsoft's initial advisory about the Exchange flaws credited Reston VA-based Volexity for reporting the vulnerabilities. Volexity President Stephen Adair said the company first saw attackers quietly exploiting the Exchange bugs on January the 6th, 2021, a day when most of the world was glued to the television coverage of the riot at the US Capitol. So patched your exchange servers, people. Some of them are getting encrypted and stuff as well. <clears throat> I mean, that's just not a now thing. That's like an always do thing. Always patch. It's like WordPress. Don't just know yep. now because there's an issue. Yeah. It's like do it every time there's an update available. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's just easier. That's why so. I've got a plugin on mine that does auto updates. Well, yeah. I mean, unless it's Windows, I auto update everything. Yep. Windows is the only thing that the day after I the day I install it, I turn all the updates off. Yeah. Because if it's running fine, the day that it's installed on my computer, I don't want you to touch it. Thank you, Microsoft. <laughs> don't overwrite my graphics card drivers with your graphics card. Or Wi-Fi drivers. Graphic drivers. Yes, but no. And, it, and it, melt your USB device. Oh yeah, yeah. That was. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. I don't know. I mean. I guess there's something to be said for not really not running your own mail server. <laughs> really, Outsource I mean, source all the things. Well, use Office three sixty five, or don't. I mean, that's fine too. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, with the price of if your chances are you've got a website, therefore you've got a host, therefore you've already got a mail server on the host. You don't. It, it, uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm missing something, but is there a reason you'd want to run your own mail server? Security. But it's it inside though? your network. I mean, you should. They all should be behind firewalls and also <laughs> internally, not in a DMZ or something. I don't know why people want to put their exchange service out on the internet, well, where any worm can come along, knock on its door, and let itself in. This is what I'm saying. Like, is there any benefit of running an exchange? If, a poorly run, even a relatively decently run exchange server can't be as good as a hosted server. You wouldn't think so. It may be quick. I mean, if you okay, if you've got 20,000 users, then maybe it might be quicker. But It's because it's maybe. got all the integrated calendars and notes and integrates with MS Teams and all yeah, sorts but that's of all, systems. That's all done. Like, we don't have a web server and we can do all that. It's all done through the cloud. So that's kind of, it's not like in the old days where you had to have an email server set up with a modem in it to respond to emails and send out, you know, dial up to check it. And it's, I mean, you, you needed one then if you had multiple email accounts and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. 
But I'm, I'm guessing there probably is real world use case scenario for it, but I can't think of any for um, intranet stuff. Yeah, like internal. Yep. That's different. Like if you want to run internal emails and stuff like that from division to division or whatever. Okay, I get that. But what's that doing on an exposed external network? Yeah, keep it out of the DMZ <laughs> peeps. It's not that uh, hard. Well, apparently what even it is. is a firewall? I don't know. <laughs> apparently, it is hard. <laughs> just ch- just have your just have it on a Wi-Fi router and have your Wi-Fi router set with a different Wi-Fi name than that Wi-Fi router, and you won't have that problem. <laughs> just change the IP address. That's all you need to do. It's not even hard. You don't even have to set up a DMZ. You can just have literally an internal network and an external network and never the two shall meet. Yeah. <laughs> In theory. Then you get somebody, I guess, jump on there with their, uh, with their um, you know, screen sharing software and link the two together. and Problem solved. That's what used to happen with... We had a... I remember back in the day, we had a Windows... It was a transition from NT4 to 2000 server. And we often had a lot of people remotely dialing in to the 2001 because we were trying to learn it at the time and whatever. And you get people who forget that they're logged in to the Windows 2000 server and they just start browsing the internet like they would be like if they're at home or whatever. (laughs) And they're not getting the viruses, but the server's getting all of them. Oh, that's (laughs) a good place to keep them. (laughs) I was going to download all these zip files and extract them onto the hard drive. Then I run a few of them. Oh, why aren't they stalling on my computer? Oh, that's right. I'm not on my computer. That's all right. I'll just close this session down. I'll go on to my computer. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Too late now. Monday, Monday morning, you'd come in. Why is the server down? You'd boot it up. Run. Well, back then, it was run vet antivirus. 475,000 virus. Who was on the server on the weekend? Oh, nobody. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let me check just, let's check the logs. Let's check the logs. Oh, private phone number. Hmm. Who's the only one here who can afford a private phone number? Because back then it was you had to pay for it. Yeah. Oh, look, the boss has been on the server again. <laughs> uh, well, always is. His, his, he paid to break it. He can pay to fix it. Dude, yep. i got to stay behind tonight to fix the server. Do you have any problem <laughs> with that? No, nothing. You can fix it. That's fine. <laughs> uh, CSIRO. Is Australia it says says is is says Australia is missing out on three point one billion dollars industry in lithium ion battery recycling. I won't go too deeply into this. Uh, this is actually very. Um, this article is not too bad. This can be a very technical thing. We actually have a, a industry magazine at work, and they're talking about this sort of thing. But I'll, I'll read a little bit of this, and then I'll sort of explain it. <clears throat> a new report prepared for, fu- um, for future battery industries cooperative research center FBICRC because everything has to have a bloody acronym by the Commonwealth Scientific and Institute Research Organization the CSIRO has identified that there are 18 opportunities to improve the way lithium ion batteries LOBs are recycled in Australia <sighs> that bugs me to start with because that's not TLA anyway, the Australian landscape for lithium ion battery recycling and reuse in 2020 report, because that's what you name a report, <laughs> highlights Australia is possibly missing out on valuable battery metals and metals and materials used in LOBs, or lithium batteries, which translates to $603 million, between $603 million and $3.1 billion in total co- cost and loss value due to poor battery collection rates, offshore recycling, landfilling of the lithium battery waste. Research previously conducted by CSIRO showed in 2018 showed that Australia recycles 98% of lead-acid batteries, but only 10% of lithiums, and is predicted to grow by 20% each year and res- exceed 100,000 tonnes. Okay, Especially so with all them electric cars. The guys in here talking about second life of lithium batteries and all this other stuff, that they've kind of gone off topic a bit. But here's the thing. The... Now we recycle 95% of our lead-acid batteries. 30 years ago, we repaired 75% of the lead-acid batteries and recycled about 15%. So then they ban the average Joe Blow from repairing their own batteries because of it's hazardous and all this sort of stuff. Okay, fine. So now they've got to be recycled because there's no, there's no other option. I mean, you can chuck them out. You either throw them out 
which most people don't because a car battery gets you a few bucks. So most people will either drop it off somewhere, get a couple of bucks for it, and be done with it. Lithium batteries are complex on so many levels. The recycling isn't difficult, but you need specialized equipment to do it. And there's nobody, there's only one company that I'm aware of in Australia that does it. Uh, it's a Chinese company because, well, so is our lithium battery recycling center. The problem is not so much recycling a lithium battery. Uh, this is actually an old one, one of those cheap eBay, hey, we can jumpstart your car for $12 deals. No, it's not it's about a $100 one. They're garbage. Don't ever use them. I'm actually tearing this one down for a customer to show them. But these run uh, lithium polymer pouches. These things are incredibly unstable. If you threw this in the rubbish, for example, and it goes into a into the bin, then goes into a garbage truck, and the compactor hits these cells, more often you've seen garbage trucks catch on fire. It's because of these cells. Whether it's the phone battery, whether it's these, these are quite common um, batteries. Did you cheap. see the um, video going around the internet of a girl who opens up her phone and runs a knife through the battery and then bang? Mm. Well, exactly. And I mean, that's that's what lithium polymer batteries will do. The lithium's an oxidizer. You introduce atmosphere to it and it's, it's self-igniting and self-sustaining. Um, but that presents a problem. <clears throat> Currently under Australian laws... You cannot transport faulty lithium batteries. There's a ban on it. Um, so when you buy new ones, you can buy them from China, you can buy them from wherever they can be imported. That's not a problem because they're not faulty. But once they are known faulty, meaning that you, you're aware the battery is no longer safe for transport, therefore you can't transport it. So your options, how do you... They've worked themselves into a corner... Because now the problem is, whilst there are facilities available to recycle lithium batteries, you can't lawfully transport a damaged lithium battery. So how do you take a lithium battery to get recycled if you're not allowed to transport it? So <laughs> this, this is the problem with the way the law is written. The two parts of the law are written by two completely opposite ends of the, the government. You know, you've got the Greenies going, hey, they need to be recycled, let's do it. Then you've got the bureaucrats sitting up in their office going, well, you can't because you can't transport it because it's a faulty lithium battery and you can't transport faulty lithium batteries. So Probably this must have been solved in some <laughs> other country that's not this one. Most other countries don't have this issue. Um, a lot of countries, the American, and, and this brings us to the second point, which is <coughs> second life for lithium batteries. So I'll use this pack as an example again. This top pack, I don't know how it's going to come up on camera. The top pack you can see is actually bowed. So it has a bow. So this top pack is faulty. The two packs under it, there's, there's three packs in here which, give it, which make it um, suitable voltage for the application. The bottom two packs are perfectly fine. The top pack's faulty. So for my use here, I'll simply pull that pack apart. I'll discard that top pack. Bottom two packs I'll keep and I'll use in other projects because they work fine. And this can be done on a mass scale. There's actually massive warehouses in the United States, for example. <clears throat> Their entire purpose is to recycle, is to repurpose lithium batteries. They'll do everything from phone batteries right up to Tesla power walls and Tesla car batteries. And what they do is they get them in, they break them down to their smallest components, they test them, and then if they pass their test, or they fail their test. If they fail their test, they go for recycling. If they pass the first test, which is just a basic test to see if they're any good, then they get fully charged up, they get capacity tested, and then they get sold off depending on the capacity left of the battery. If they're still like 90 plus percent, they'll quite often go and be used for um, you know, other power walls or a lot of um, there's companies in the States now building um, warehouse robots and they use recycled battery packs because they're fine. You know, and depending on the capacity of the battery will depend on what it's sold for and where it goes. But then you've got the same problem here again. You can't transport a faulty battery pack. So if you have a Tesla or a Nissan Leaf or you have um, even a hybrid, like a, a hybrid Camry that has a faulty, a faulty lithium pack and then new ones, that whole pack technically can't be taken anywhere because there might be one faulty cell in that whole pack which makes that entire pack faulty. See, the only 
workaround for that currently is to dismantle the pack, which is incredibly dangerous unless you know what you're doing. There's several hundred volts inside that pack that can easily explode and kill you. Um, or if you touch the wrong thing, you're also dead. So the only way around it is to either pull that pack apart, pull out what you know is the faulty component in that pack and send the rest off to be recycled and reused, or sell it to somebody who tends to turn a blind eye to crappy laws that don't make any sense, um, who is usually the hobbyist who end up making a power wall or end up making another battery pack or end up doing something constructive with that pack. Because recyclers, for the most part, don't want them because we don't have a recycling centre here and they can't recycle it locally. It has to be sent offshore to be recycled because you can't transport faulty lithium bags. <laughs> like the only recycling centre that I'm aware of that does lithium, and it only does small volumes, it only does certain, um, certain types of lithium batteries, uh, is in Sydney, I believe. And um, they only take, you know one or two percent of the actual total volume that could be done. And this is going to become more of a problem because, I mean, you've got a power wall. You know, it's it's becoming more popular to have lithium installations, whether it's off-grid, whether it's a a secondary system as a power wall in an on-grid situation, whether it's an electric vehicle, whether it's toys, whether it's phones, watches, just about everything these days, almost everything. I mean, there are still some devices that run the old good old-fashioned, you know, nickel metal hydride rechargeables but there's not very many just about everything uses a lithium battery now Um, so this is going to become a bigger and bigger issue but (laughs) the legislation needs to change before that can become a a thing so it needs to be changed sooner not later well exactly I mean as I said there are some people out there who myself included I'll go to some places I know that recycle um lithium batteries whether it's medical packs or laptop packs places like that and i'll go and buy you know a couple of milk crates worth of battery packs off them because i want the cells out of them to do other projects with yep. but commercially that's not a sustain that's not at this stage is not a viable option i'd love to be able to go hey i'll buy everything you have you know just sell me all your faulty stuff chuck it in a um you know, chuck them into some plastic tubs and then once your tub gets full, give me a call, I'll come buy it off you and, you know, I'll go from there. But commercially, you can't do that. Yeah. So, it's just dumb. <laughs> so much dumb in this country at the moment. It's ridiculous. Too much bureaucracy. Well, and ultimately, that's what it comes down to. You know, yeah. they, they <clears throat> These laws were written when that plane mysteriously disappeared off the face of the earth a few years ago with all those scientists on it. You know the because of a lithium battery. Because yeah, apparently somebody's laptop exploded or something. But oh, here's the other thing. Okay, you can't transport a faulty lithium battery, um, and you can't send a device. So if I sent this phone because the battery is removable, to send this, I have to remove the battery. Yep. If this was an iPhone where the battery is not removable or one of the new Samsungs, I don't have to remove the battery to send it. The battery's exactly the same. Yeah. The phone doesn't behave any differently because it's a removable battery. <laughs> but because it's a removable battery, I have to remove the battery. How, I mean... <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> like, laptops, the same as laptops. Like, you have to remove the battery from your laptop if you bought a plane. But if you've got a MacBook or an Air or a tablet or just about every laptop these days that don't have a removable battery, you don't have to. And your phone too. Yeah. It's just like... (laughs) (laughs) These laws are written by morons who don't know anything about anything. They, They can hardly justify their own existence, let alone they shouldn't be put in charge of passing legislation. No. So, Speaking of those people... New South Wales government will refurbish a heritage site. Just stop there. Just leave it there. New South Wales government. Yep, done. (laughs) Next. (laughs) New South Wales government will refurbish a heritage site to host its Western Sydney startup hub as it seeks to establish the area as a leader in tech innovation. The approval was granted by the Sydney Central City 
planning a panel and will include 1500 square meters of co-working and retail space to grow technology community. The uh, Western Sydney hub will be located at the Heritage Parramatta North, the Heritage Parramatta North Heritage Core site <laughs> with plans to open by the end of the year. Sure. I thought you get all the crazy <laughs> stories. The approval will see three heritage buildings, part of the former 19th century hospital spinal range building and kitchen block modernised for startup tenants. Ministers for Jobs, Investment and Tourism and Western Sydney, Stuart Ayres, said approval of the proposal is a vital component of revitalisation plans to bring technology startups and innovative business to the area. The government is putting innovation at the centre of its COVID-19 recovery plan and the Western Sydney okay. Startup Hub will have a key role in giving emerging businesses the opportunity to be involved in that recovery. We're giving them the space to turn their ideas into commercial realities that will lead to more investment and jobs in the region. We'll employ best practice conservation methods to sensitively reinstate the National Heritage listed buildings for future use. It will also accommodate facilities to support multiple users such as acceleration programs, hackathons, podcasting, video production and 3D printing. We'll have to head down there and do our show from there from now on. <laughs> so it's basically, they're basically turning into a makerspace by the sound yep. of it. Yeah. Yep. Commercial makerspace. <clears throat> Which is good. I'm, about, I'm glad that somebody's finally, I've been trying to get the council here to do it for the last five years. Yep. That is look. I okay, go look. There's literally an entire transit centre that hasn't been up in operation since 2011 when the flood washed through it. Yeah, it's literally sitting there doing absolutely nothing. How about we Do turn something. into a commercial into a commercial space? You know, a, go, a council um, volunteer space. You know, turn yep. to a hacker space or, or a, a maker space rather. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, we have got plans for that building. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I know Sometime in a hundred years. You've had the same plans for it since 2011. Nothing. You happened. haven't done that yet. Red <laughs> <sighs> tape moves slow. Just, it's, it doesn't even move. It generally moves backwards. Need some WD-40 on it. Oh, I, I'm just... I'm sick of More WD-40, less duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> no, duct tape in just more sensitive areas, I think, will do the job. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, all right, we'll do it. <laughs> That's it, exactly. If you do, if you promise to do it, I'll rip it off fast. Otherwise, it's coming off slowly. <laughs> that, that'll make anyone move, I reckon. Uh, if, you ever, if you want a good laugh, watch the outtakes for. Uh, oh, what was that one? Had um, where he got his body waxed. Um, I can't think of the guy's name either. Um, Anchorman. Um. Ron Burgundy. Yeah, with the actor. Ah. Uh, I think it was him. There's a Will movie. Ferrell. No, no, sorry, it wasn't him. It was um the guy who does um Gru. Um you know, he's got the minions. Steve Oh um, yeah. Steve, Steve Carell. Yeah. He's yeah. in it and there's a I can't remember the name of the movie. I wanna say it's like for, I wanna say it's forty year old version, but I'm not hundred percent sure. There's a part where it goes to a wax parlor and decides to get yep. his chest waxed yeah you watch the uh, outtakes and it's hilarious the funny thing is what he didn't realize the girl who was like they went to a proper parlor but the girl that he said i'd oh, have you done you know chest waxing she's like yeah she couldn't understand english so she didn't really know what he was saying and she just agreed uh. to go along with it and she'd never done waxing before in her life <laughs> so, so not only was he getting his chest waxed for real, he was getting it waxed by somebody who didn't know what they were doing. The pain, the pain, <laughs> oh, the pain. Uh, speaking of pain, huh? no, not really. But um, I don't know, Kmart, Tire and Auto. No, I mean, I've never used them because they, they, they're garbage and every report I've heard to says never to go there. But uh, they've changed the name to my car. Um, the first official head of IT since coming under new ownership. My car has found a head of IT to drive its digital capabilities further by the end of 2021. Michael Berkovitz hmm. announced he joined the automotive service My Car via LinkedIn, posting that <laughs> great, he found a job on LinkedIn, posting the business as an exciting time to gather its forward momentum and its growth roadmap. Who writes stuff like that? 
It's been a long haul, but I finally received the green light to share that I've recently joined the My Car team in the role of head of IT, he wrote. I look forward to assisting and driving... Oh, seriously. I look forward to assisting in driving the accelerating... <laughs> and you always get the good ones. ...further into e-commerce and ratcheting up our digital customer engagements in order to turbocharge the experience of our customers have online. <laughs> I hate him already. <laughs> so... <clears throat> what I was basically getting... <laughs> wow. I'm not reading any more of his quotes. They just get worse. But basically, um, came up Torrent Auto and now known as my car. So stay away from my car, I think is where I was going with that. <laughs> Good idea. I'll be steering out of... No, just not. No, don't go there. Are you kidding me? Uh, this is so bad, I have to read this. Is it power steering? I'll be steering our dev support and delivery teams in our journey to ensure we deliver services and applications across the business that are fully aligned and that fuel innovation. And I'll be making sure there's enough oil in the gearbox to reduce friction that our can too often put the brakes on businesses planning and go. <laughs> Please, somebody shoot him. Needs a new writer. <laughs> He's the head of IT now. <laughs> feel sorry for everyone else. I can only imagine what the website's going to look like. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Also, coffee.com, ko-fi.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Email us Glenn, Will and Warlock at aussietechheads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on aussietechradio.com, 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. Each show, new shows added each Friday. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>